Welcome to the Black Belter Podcast. You're listening to episode 69. This week's guest is Cage Warriors bantamweight prospect Nathan Fletcher. Nathan trains out of Next Generation MMA in Liverpool, which is home to UFC fighters like Molly McCann, Chris Fishgold and Paddy Pimblett. Nathan is undefeated as a pro, with a record of 5-0 and all wins coming by stoppage. Like I said, Nathan is one of the top prospects in Cage Warriors right now, and he has big goals of being a UFC champion. Today I chat to Nathan about how he started, we discuss some of his fights and the behind the scenes adversity that went with them, we talk about his weight cut and more. So make sure to rate, review and follow and hope you enjoy. So what's up Nathan, how are you? Thanks for coming on. I'm very good mate, thank you for having me on, nice one. Alright stuff. Uh, so how are things now that they're opening up? Are, are, are people back in the gym? Have you got are the gym? Is your gym opening up properly yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we opened back up on there. I think it was last Monday, the twelfth, when the gyms opened again, and it's been boss. Been going back in overnight. Um, obviously the last few months the gyms kind of just been open for the elite athletes. Um, sort of any UFC fighters or like cage warriors, sign fighters in our gym. So um, we've just been going in with like a small group of us and training. But then from Monday last week onwards, we've had the uh, the nighttime classes back on and all the general public and that are getting back into the gym. So it's been a good atmosphere and I've enjoyed getting in of a night and staying in there again. Yeah. So what was it like training then um, without without, pe- without people like just 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 yourself and the, the pros? Yeah. What was that like? It was all right because obviously, so we, the way we work is we've got like a fighter class that we all get in of a morning. And that's all the pro MMA fighters. And then at nighttime, we do all the open classes. So like jujitsu and all the kickboxing classes and stuff like that. Um, but I normally get in of a night because the, the jits class has got a lot of good high level um, grapplers that come in who just do jujitsu. Do you know what I mean? So I really enjoy getting in and rolling with them because it's just a bit of a different look from the MMA guys. But all my main training partners are the lads that get in of a morning anyway. So um, in terms of that, really. The training wasn't much different, you know, over the lockdown because all my main training partners were in anyway. So, yeah. How about jujitsu? Is that mostly gi or no gi? I don't do gi, so we, we just do no gi. There isn't there is gi classes on at our gym, but I think I've worn a gi once and um, I just got tied up like, like a knot. So uh, I've, I've never really done the gi. Um, it's something I, I do eventually want to have a go at it. Do you know what I mean? I'd hate to get to like black belt level and never have rolled in a gi. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. we do gradings even in Nogi at our gym. So okay. you can get a black belt off off Paul, our coach, in, in Nogi. But um, like I said, I wouldn't want to call myself a black belt and never have rolled in a gi, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of purists there that I probably wouldn't say you're a real black belt either, isn't there? Like, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't been in the gi. Well, the way I see it is I don't fight in a gi, do I? I fight bare-chested, yeah. so there's, there's not really much need for me to be training in a gi, but it's just a bit of a laugh in it, so I would like to... Um, would like to maybe do a little bit more of that but it's not a priority at the minute do you know i mean there's so much training i've got to get in already without having to worry about throwing a gear on so um, maybe in the future i'll do a bit of that yeah so how did how did you actually get started in mma where did, where did the journey start what got you into started doing mma when i was um about 14 basically one of my mates in school karen was doing it um, at like a small gym in southport where i'm from uh called the dog pit so I don't really know why, but I was just always interested in fighting. Like from, like I say, from a young age, like 13 or 14, I just wanted to be able to to fight 
not not even really to defend myself, just I like the idea of being able to be good at fighting. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and Kieran, my mate, was like the odd boy in the school. Do you know what I mean? Because he, he was the only one really doing a bit, doing a bit of fighting. So I started off, I, tra- I think I went to a boxing gym first in Ormskirk, which is like round the corner from mine. And um, I was going there for like two weeks and then spoke to Kieran about it. And he basically said like, you want to do MMA, do you know what I mean? You want to serve that boxing off MMA is the real deal. So I went down to the MMA gym with him and uh, it was like a grappling class. And he basically tapped me out about 15 times in like a five minute round. <laughs> um, so literally from then on, I was just like addicted. I was like flipping it. What's this? I need to learn this. And then we'd start off like bringing our other mates down to the gym and I'd start tapping them a few times. You know what I mean? So I was kind of passing it on to them. Yeah. So um, that's, that's how I got into it initially. Yeah. Is he is he still training, or did he kind of fall away? He dabbles in it. He's like in and out. He doesn't he doesn't like take it seriously anymore. Do you know what I mean? He's more into football. I think he's like a football coach now at a college. Um, but he was the he was the one who got me into it initially. Yeah, and and did you um did you take to the grappling more so even straight away like more so than the striking? Was it the grappling you enjoyed? Yeah, I think it's just I trained more grappling than striking though. Like, so from then, I ended, so I was training with Kieran at this, this small gym in Southport called the Dog Pit. And then one of the coaches there called Carl, he was, like, in with British wrestling. So he kind of started taking us to, like, Manchester and Bolton, which, like, where all the big wrestling gyms are in the, in the Northwest. So then just, just because of that, because there wasn't many lads turning up to the MMA gym, you see, to train. So we'd go to Wigan, Bolton, Manchester, stuff like that every night. And I ended up training wrestling predominantly for, like, probably four years or so until I found next gen. So um, I think it's just because I spent more time focusing on the grappling that I took to that uh, more than the striking. But I think if I'd have like put as much time into my striking coming up, I probably, probably would have taken to that more as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just a, it was just a coincidence that I spent more time in the grappling. Yeah. And then how did you come across then like with go, go joining, joining next gen? Was it you just stumbled across that gym or was that you kind of were looking for a new gym and ended up there or? Yeah, me mate. So another lad then started training with us at the dog pit called Adam Cullen, and I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's pro now. He just signed with Cage Warriors. He's one to know, um, and he's from Formby again, which is near Southport, all just outside of Liverpool where where I live. And um, he was a bit more clued up than me on uh, like UK MMA and like the good gyms and that. And at this age, I think we were like 17, 18 and wanted to start taking it a bit more serious because, like I said, there wasn't many lads getting into this one in Southport. It wasn't like. Um, there wasn't any active fighters, you know what I mean? It wasn't a very high-level gym. So um, Adam was like, right, if we want to start taking this more serious now, I've, I know about this next-gen, because he, he was on to all Paddy and that, do you know what I mean? Um, so he said, yeah, we need, we need to go there. If we want to start taking it serious. And then I just trusted him, and I'm glad I did. It was a very uh, very good decision on his behalf for us to go to next-gen. Yeah, good move like that, yeah. Plenty of high-level people. It's matter like how them slight like, and small little decisions can make a big difference. Like if you didn't end up there, like, you know, literally wouldn't be where I am today. And that's like all down to Adam. To be honest, I just kind of trusted him and went went with him on it because I, uh, like I said, I was clueless. I wasn't even. I was watching the UFC, but I wasn't really paying attention to like the smaller UK scene and stuff. Whereas Adam, he was watching all Bama Cage Warriors and stuff like that already. So he had a good idea of where the high-level guys were around us. Whereas I was just too busy watching, like, you're right, a favor and that, and thinking, oh, it'd be cool to go to trade in California with them. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, thanks to Adam that we found next gym. Yeah. Did you, did you do any other sports when you when you were younger? Or did it just was the first thing you got into MMA? 
Yeah, so I played footy and that, like all lads do, obviously from England and Ireland and that. We played a bit of footy, but I was never any good at it, really. Um, my brothers were more gifted at football than me. And then I did gymnastics as well. Did gymnastics for quite a few years. And I think that definitely gave me like a, a good background going into, especially wrestling and then MMA, just because if you think about grappling, it's like the art of controlling someone else's body. Do you know what I mean? Being able to control them and put them into positions that, that you that you can uh, dominate them with. And gymnastics is all about having control over your own body. So I think if you've got that background, that sort of flexibility, core strength, like a lot of the attributes that are developed from doing gymnastics, explosiveness from doing tumbling and stuff like that, I think that transfers very well into my grappling and into my MMA game now. So um, that's a big one, I think. Gymnastics is, is what I did when I, when I was younger. And I think that's definitely given me an advantage now coming into MMA. Yeah. Gymnastics crosses over to so many other sports, right? like when you think about it. Literally, it's just, con- just being able to control your body. Well, you see the likes of uh, GSP as well. Obviously, one of the best MMA fighters of all time. And he started in- implementing gymnastics into his training, didn't he, later on in his career. So... Um, if it's good enough for GSP, then it's good enough for me as well. Do you know what I mean? Ah, for sure. Yeah, GSP, savage. All right. <laughs> when did you start first that fighting? Then was it? Did you have any fights when you started, like as a teenager, or was it more so? I had one like B contest rules. I don't know what it is. It was like no headshots, just like shin guards. On it's basically a grappling match where you could leg kick. Um, I had one of them when I was training at the gym in Southport, but predominantly competed in wrestling. Then so I was like, I won the British Juniors and stuff like that. And I'd done the English seniors and got a bronze medal there and all stuff like this. So I was competing in freestyle wrestling quite a bit. And then my first proper like amateur MMA fight where it was like full amateur rules, headshots and all that, no shin guards. That was um, when I was 18. And that was when I was like, I was about six months after I started at Next Gen. Because like I already had a good base. I mean, I'd already wrestled at like British level and stuff like that. And um, we'd gone round to like boxing gyms and, and me and Adam, me mate from Vormy, we just went and trained at a lot of different gyms and stuff. So we had like a decent enough base to where when I started at Next Gen, after like five or six months, I was fighting. Do you know what I mean? So, but that was my first, my first amateur fight. It was against an Irish lad actually called Sam O'Connor. He had like a, um, he was from like a Thai boxing background. He was training with Owen Roddy. And I remember Owen Roddy being in the corner and that was my first fight. And obviously I'd recognised him for being McGregor's corner man. Do you know what I mean? So that was quite cool. I was like fighting against the lad who, who Owen Roddy was cornering. But yeah, that was my first amateur fight. Yeah. And then you got, you got in with Cage Warriors then, didn't you? Like Cage Warriors, I suppose, Academy, whatever they call it, like the, the, the amateur kind of... Amateur yeah, pretty stuff. much. My, my first two fights were on um, like smaller shows and then after that, all my amateur fights were Cage Warriors Academy and like most of them were on... I fought on two shows that weren't like a proper Cage Warriors but all my other amateur fights were like undercards of uh, actual Cage Warriors shows, do you know what I mean? So pretty early on in my career, I was fighting in like the Echo Arena, stuff like that, the Ice Arena in Cardiff. Um. And just being around, like, actual Cage Warriors production team, being around Graham Boylan and all stuff like that, do you know what I mean? So from, like, early on in my career, I was getting familiar with all that. And then now, obviously, I've only had five pro fights, but I feel like I've been with Cage Warriors for, like, well, I have been with them, do you know what I mean, for literally the last four or five years. So I feel very comfortable here now with Cage Warriors. Yeah. Uh, that obviously, I'd say that made, that made for a good transition, like, when you did go from amateur to pro, because... You know, sometimes it's like that, well, you're turning pro, but you're looking for fights on maybe a show here or a show there, but, like, you were already, like, in, involved with a well-established promotion that you could just step into there. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's uh, It was, like, a smooth transition because, like I said, all, all my amateur fights, they felt very similar to my pro fights because I turned up to the venue 
at the same time that I turn up to the venue now, I was in the changing room with like pro fighters who were fighting later on in the cards. Um, I was sat in there when Graham was giving his like pre-production speech, you know what I mean? Um, so I've been through all that as an amateur and then when I turned over pro, it just felt the exact same. The only difference was the rounds were a little bit longer and I could throw elbows, do you know what I mean? But other than that, um, it's all felt the same. Yeah. How did you find that transition going to the longer rounds? Fair, to be honest. I think, um, one, if you've got like a grappling game, say in an amateur fight, you get a takedown a minute and a half in or whatever. You've only got a minute and a half to work because of three minutes rounds. Do you know what I mean? Um, but at pro, if I'm feeling him out on the feet and maybe I missed the first takedown or two, by the time I do get the fight to the ground, I've still got three minutes to work. So uh, I think for my style in particular, and I also think my conditioning is one of my best um, attributes. Do you know what I mean? So five-minute rounds, a longer 15-minute fight. I think just knowing I can push that little bit harder than my opponent, I think that is a is a um, plays to my advantage more than like a three three minute fight. Do you know what I mean? Three three minute rounds. So yeah, yeah. It's not even in your last fight. It's like you got the submit, got the submission late, late in, late into the fight, late into the third, into the third round. Like we're still yeah. strong, to, still strong to get the finish. I see, and I wasn't in the best way for that fight to be honest. I don't know if you heard, but I had like bad food poisoning from after the weigh-ins for that one. So literally, it was like shitting myself all, all the fight day couldn't couldn't take in any food really at all so i was still in like a pretty depleted state uh, and i was able to go out and fight basically a 15 minute fight and still push and get the finish right at the end so i think that's sort of like a testament to how good my conditioning is do you know what i mean yeah what did, what, 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 what was it that done what did you eat well so what, what i think basically i think basically um i had um Sorry, I was sat in front of room with someone then, but they were trying to sleep and I was talking dead loud, so I'm going to take you upstairs. Oh, um, yes. I thought, um, so that was it, sorry. What did you say? What did I eat? Yeah, yeah. I basically, um, I took prepped food with me. Um, like, this is stupid and I, I probably shouldn't have done this looking back now, but obviously in hindsight, um, I know I know a lot better, but at the time I didn't think anything of it. So I took prep, prepped food and I've put it in the fridge in my room at the hotel. Now, that wasn't like a proper fridge. It was just a cooler for drinks and stuff like that and snacks. Uh, so I've left it in there for like two days. And then when I've come to take it out, I've noticed like this doesn't feel very cold. And then I've read on the inside of the fridge and it said, um, you know, don't store food in here, basically. <sighs> so then, but I ate it anyway. That, that, yeah. So stupidly, took it out of the fridge. And then there, was, there wasn't even a microwave in the hotel. Like, they wouldn't let us heat our food up. I think they were just kind of like covering their own backs or whatever but there was they had some like strict policy where they wouldn't allow us to microwave our food so i ended up eating it cold um so it's pretty stupid obviously that's just like i was destined to get food poisoning doing that but um i just i just wasn't thinking i just wanted to get as much fuel in me as possible after cutting weight so i uh and i brought all that food with me so i ended up eating it but um yeah i should have just threw it in the bin straight away as soon as realizing that it hadn't been in the fridge for two days but one of them we live and we learn don't we so yeah yeah well you nearly got it over early because like you had his back obviously early in the first round and nearly yeah. had to choke in and kind of it was nearly the bell saved him i think really wasn't it like so yeah you could I was have got a little bit eager. like every time i got on his back you can hear the commentator saying it i was rushing the position a little bit and before like so when you're on someone's back obviously the best position to be is like your chest flat to their back like um perpendicular or pa- parallel with anyway i think perpendicular yeah, yeah. Is that, it's a parallel with um 
And I was always off to the side a little bit because I was rushing to get under the neck rather than solidifying the position. And it's obviously the rule, isn't it? Always um, position before submission. But when you're in there sometimes, and obviously I kind of knew in the back of my head, like, am I going to be able to push three rounds here? Because I'm obviously, I've been in a bad way. I've barely even had a piece of soap this morning and I'm fighting uh, three, five minute rounds. So when I got on his back, I was just like, just finish, finish, finish. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I was a little bit eager. And then the time I did get the finish right in the, at the end of the fight in the third round, that was because I just adjusted the position first, made sure I solidified it. And then I was able to work and get the choke. So I should have just done that a little bit sooner, but it is what it is. It's all good experience. You know what I mean, I'm glad, to, I'm glad I was able to go 15 minutes and still get a finish. So it was a minute, it kind of caught you with a knee in the second round. Was that, did that, did that, uh, did it hurt? Were you hurt yeah. there, or was that just kind of catchy as you were coming in? Were you hurt? Yeah, that one? It's, it's, I wasn't hurt because when I stood up afterwards, I didn't feel like off balance or anything. Do you know what I mean? My equilibrium was all fine, but obviously. Shooting in, I, I I thought what had happened was I thought I just shot into his hip and he'd sprawled dead heavy. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, that was a heavy sprawl. Like, I'm on my back now. I better work to get back up. But then, um, yeah, because I, I remember going back to the corner and my coach, Ellie, said to me, like, did that knee get you? Are you all right? You sound, yeah. And I was like, what knee, lad? Yeah, I'm sweet. Don't worry about it. But, like, obviously, I watched it back and I saw I got knee right in the chin. Um, but, yeah, it was sort of just like a flash. And then as soon as I, like, Realised I was all right. I wrestled back up, and then I was just I was sweet to carry on. Was that something similar to maybe the even the Mitchell fight? Because yeah, I think you got kind of caught in the, the Mitchell fight as well with a, with a yeah. With a le- I got, with a left I got caught with the left hand. Yeah, um, that was a similar sort of thing. I think I was just off balance a little bit with that one. Like I was stepping to my left and I've crossed my feet a little bit. Just I, I was I wasn't um, I wasn't set in position when he caught me, so it sat me down, but. Again, with that one, as soon as I wrestled, because you see with that one again, I got underhooks, wrestled back up, and then I was on him, taking him down, and I felt, like, again, I wasn't really wobbled. Do you know what I mean, I've never really been wobbled, to be honest, so I wouldn't really know what that feels like. Like, they're, they're the two times when I've been hit with, like, big shots is, is those last two fights, and um, even off both of them, getting back up, I felt I felt fine. Do you know what I mean? And after the fight, it wasn't like I had a headache or anything, so I don't, I don't know if I was concussed or whatever, so, um, yeah, took, took them both well anyway. Got a chin on me, and I so it's all good. And came back in the next round and got a finish in both, in both of them as well. Yeah, 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 control right. as well. yeah, yeah, literally two. And they both stood up before I got the finish. So with Lee, he stood up, and obviously he ended up like somersaulting over, and I just managed to stay on his back. And then with uh, Michelle in the last one, he stood up as well. And every time I'm on someone's back and they stand up, I off have a little silent, you know what I mean, like a little silent victory to myself. Like, yes, I've got this here because when they stand up, they expose the neck. So every, every time someone does that, even in the gym when I'm rolling with people and they stand up, I just think, nice one, lad. I'm going to take your neck now, do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I was made up when he stood up as well and I ended up getting getting the choke in. Yeah, yeah, because that, yeah, Dimitri won, yeah. Um, remember when I was, because I, I watched it back there during the week, and like that, yeah, he was like, he, he, you weren't really on the neck until he stood up, you were kind of on the chin and then he stood up. On the chin, the yeah, across you, his face. The flip was worse for him because it just yeah. looked like, by the time you landed, you had got under the chin then. Yeah, yeah. Is it, but you see, it's as just before you went to flip, because when they stand up, you think about it, when you're standing up, like everything follows your head. Your head goes first, so your, your neck comes up. And with Lee, I was still hand fighting a little bit. And then I think as I was like sliding underneath, he tried to like flip in an attempt to just like shook, shook me off the top. Um, but it was already too late. You know what I mean, the arm was already coming under the neck. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, it was a good fight though, like like exciting fight, like because obviously you know you had been dro- like dropped and then bounced back up and and came straight because yeah. like, because you came out kind of fast in the second round, like you didn't it was straight in for the takedown, a bit more pressure. Yeah. I think a lot of that as well was down to um, there being no crowd. Like in the first round, I think I did start slow against Lee, to be honest. Um, and also, I didn't expect him to have such good striking. Like if you've watched any other any other Lee Mitchell's fights, he just wrestles everyone. Do you know what I mean, he's just got like a relentless pace taking people down against the fence. Um, so that's what I was expecting. And then I come out and he's like dancing around the edge of the, edge of the cage, like good footwork, um, slipping shots, fast hands. So that kind of threw me off a bit. And then obviously, like I said, there not being a crowd there. I feel like I wasn't quite as um, in the zone as I normally am stepping into the cage. Like it just felt a little bit different. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't quite as, uh, like I say, in the zone. Because normally you get a little bit more energy from the crowd when you're walking out and that switches you on that little bit more. Especially my last fight before that in Manchester, because that's close to home. Sold so many tickets, had like all the crowd there for me. So walking out, I just got like a massive rush of energy. And like as soon as I got in the cage, I was like ready to go and take his head off. And then you take that to the December fight and walking out and it's like dead silent. And I'm just getting in the cage like, oh, this is a bit mad, this. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no one in the room watching some. Um, yeah, that was, that was different, definitely. But then, going again into the last fight with there being no crowd I was prepared for that so I kind of psyched myself up a little bit more in the changing rooms knowing that like as soon as I get in the cage I've got to be switched on I'm not going to get that increase of energy from the crowd this time so I, I made sure that like when I was in the back I was getting a little bit more aggressive with my shots and hitting the pads and getting a good uh, getting a good sweat going before I got into the cage because I needed to be that bit more intense to start fast yeah do you have a preference do you prefer the crowd or not with you prefer the crowd I think I do prefer the crowd, but um, I'm not that bothered by it now. Now, now I've fought twice without a crowd, and I know I can still perform well. Um, it doesn't make that much of a difference, but obviously, after the fight, it's a lot better having everyone there to just go and like see in the crowd and celebrate. And then, obviously, like as soon as you win, when you get finished, I like to get on the cage, me. Do you know what I mean and soak it all in and just be like buzzing, cheering with all my mates that I can see you know, in the front row and that. Um, so that's definitely. A, a, a better feeling but um in terms of actually the fight i think once the bell rings and, and you're in there it doesn't make much of a difference anyway do you know what i mean you, you kind of switched on then so yeah i was did, did you did you did, did you have covid before the did you have covid before the mitchell fight did i see an interview yeah, you were saying yeah. that you had you had, you had tested positive for for before that and it drained you a small bit even yeah well that well that was so in september i was meant to fight lee mitchell um last year in september and I got to the hotel and everything. This was the first event that Cage Roy has put on since the pandemic. Do you know what I mean? The first trilogy. And I got there and then they were doing like a COVID test with the 24-hour return on it. So I was like, did my test, went and sat in my hotel room to isolate. Get my phone call the next day and I'm thinking, right, I'm going to get out now, go and do a bit of training, whatever. And you say, um, you've tested positive for COVID and so have all your teammates and that. So you're going to have to wait until you can get picked up and go home. So I was just like, what the fuck? Like, you're messy. And obviously they weren't, and that was the case. So I ended up going home that night and missed out on my fight. Watched every fight that weekend, the trilogy that they'd done um, at home. So obviously then I was isolating for 10 days because I had COVID, so I had to stay in mind for 10 days. So I was just like proper um, proper upset. Missed out on the opportunity to fight. Watched all these other fights. I mean, seeing everyone else getting to go out and perform, I was just gutted, but it kind of lit. A fire under me even more. I was like, right, this next trilogy, I'm gonna make sure I go and put on a boss performance and all this and prepare properly for it. So um yeah, I just got right back into training after me 10 day quarantine was up and then 
luckily they rebooked the Lee Mitchell fight for December. So in the end, it turned out fine because it gave me a little bit more time to prepare for him. And um, obviously, I was still able to go and get the win over him. So it wasn't too bad in the end. But um, it was going to get so close to a fight. I was actually right down on me weight and everything. Do you know what I mean? It was like a day before the weigh-ins, they told me. And then like, yeah, you can't fight me. He's got to go home. So that was a bit grim. Yeah. Especially like that, it didn't even save you the weight cut. Like, you know, if you were looking at it going, ah, oh, well, look, at least I don't have to cut weight now or something like But when you've, when you've done the weight and you're sitting there going, ah, oh, you've done some of the hardest part, like, you know. Literally done, yeah, the, the majority of the hard part. Like, in terms of the weight cut, I would have only had to do a tiny bit in, in water, do you know what I mean, in the baths because I dieted so well. So I was probably I was probably down to like 60. The day they told me I was probably weighing about 64 kilo to fight at 61.8. So I'd basically done the majority of the weight cutting. Um, obviously, I'd done all the hard training. All that was left was the final little cut and then the fight, which uh, obviously is still no easy feat. The fight. Everyone says like, oh, the hard part's done now. I'm going to enjoy myself. But that's a lot of the bollocks. The fight's still hard. Do you know what I mean? If you're fighting a good level of competition, the weight cut's not the easy part of the fights. The fight's um, hard as well. But Sorry, the weight cut's not the hard part. The fight's hard as well. But, uh, but yeah, it is what it is. Obviously, I'm in a good position now, sitting here five and oh, five finishes. Um, I got to fight Lee, so all's well now. Yeah. Do you cut much weight? Are you someone who cuts a lot of weight to make to make Bantam? Not a lot, really. No, I'm probably about about 71, 72 kilo now. Um, is what I normally walk around that. And then the closer I get to the fight, I, I, I normally come into fight week around 68 kilo. So, um, but I water load well when I when I um. When I start water loading, sorry, mate. I'm just gonna put my phone on. Do not disturb there, because I was getting. Can you see me now? I was getting loads of notifications then popping up, so it's winding me up. Um, yeah, so coming to fight week about sixty eight, so it's not a massive cut. I water load well, so by the time I end up doing my baths, and like last time, I literally did two goes in the bath and towels, and I was on weight. Um, but yeah, now I'm about seventy two k, so about ten k over. Yeah. Yeah. How much would you drink now to put up for the water load? I try and do eight liters the first day. I do, I do eight, eight, six, four, and then I go down to one liter for the day before the weigh-in, and then about twenty hours before the weigh-in, I like obviously do a fast. Then so like just under a day of fast, there's no food and water, and then normally I wake up in the morning like early. Try and wake. Say if I'm, like these ones we were weighing in at ten a.m., so I was waking up at about six half five sort of give, give me enough time to make the weight and then but i only needed an hour literally it took me an hour to do two baths and two towels and then i was on weight then so i just chilled until until the weigh-ins yeah how do you find drinking the eight liters it's thought it could be tough going that can't yeah it? the water loading's worse than the final cut i think like it's the maddest thing you're just sick of drinking water all week and then it gets to the day of the weigh-ins and you're like gasping a drink of water do you know what i mean it's a yeah. mad little uh it's a mad little week, fight week. But, yeah, um, yeah, like you said, you start off like, like, oh my god, I have to drink all this water. But but by the time you get to the end, you're kind of wishing you had all that. You, you could drink all that water. You, you know, I it's know. like why was I complaining it's, a couple of days ago? Really though, it's mad. But I think I yeah, I I hate drinking the water. To be honest, do you do you do uh, eight liters yourself in your water loading? Yeah, I tend to, yeah 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 yeah. But just maybe yeah. just just uh just shy of eight liters. Yeah. Now, so what do you compete at? Uh, fifty-seven. 57 and what are you now what do you walk around that uh i tend to try and walk around about 63 64 ish 
Oh, that's um, yeah. So not too much over. I'll probably have a, a bit more than that now, but like, there's been yeah. no competition. But uh, yeah, so I tried to walk around sixty, get to sixty three, sixty, walk around sixty three, sixty four, and nice. diet down a bit then to maybe sixty one, and then the week out then try and cut them from sixty one to fifty seven, from about sixty one ish, sixty two. Yeah. So nice. That's that's healthy. I think that's what you want to do. The smaller we get, like the lower weight classes, we obviously can't cut as much weight as the bigger guys can because. It's more percentage-wise, it's a lot more of our body weight. So um, some of these guys I know who fight at like 70k or 77k and you hear what they walk around that and you just think, how the fuck do you make that? Do you know what I mean? But then you've got to remember for them, like 10, 10 kilos to us is a lot more than 10 kilos to them. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Percentage-wise. So. Yeah. Do you have anybody who looks after your weight order or is it all you just look after it yourself? Um, what, my coach, Alice, is very good. So he, I kind of like run everything by him. I mean, he's very, he's like a master at cutting weight. He's done it so many times himself because he fought pro and had like 12, 13 pro fights and a lot of amateur fights. So he's clued up. But um, other than that, just, just like asking him for tips and stuff, I pretty much sort it all myself. I've got like a meal prep sponsor. Um, but I kind of just, I don't, I don't even really track my calories or anything in camp, you know, because like the amount I train, I just, I know that no matter what, because I'm not like, a massive eater inside the fight camp anyway. Do you know what I mean? I don't like to be bloated going into sessions or anything. So no matter what I eat, really, as long as I eat clean and all, I'm going to be in a calorie deficit every day. So my weight just nicely, gradually comes down. Um, I've never really struggled to make the weight. So I've not yet gone through the path of like getting a nutritionist or anything. Do you know what I mean? Just because I don't think at the moment in time, I really need, need to do that because I've got it all boxed myself. But um, we'll see as my career pr- progresses and I start earning a little bit more money. I might um, bring a nutritionist on board as well, just to make sure I'm doing everything perfect. But uh, at the minute, I feel like my weight cuts are always smooth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that is the other side as well, isn't it? Is people might think, "Oh, why don't you work with nutritionist or this or that?" As like, well, like, like, unfortunately, there is a cost to these things as well. That, That's uh, it. Yeah, they're not cheap. Um, so if I had the money there, I, I probably would. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm all for like doing every every little thing. I think. Any anywhere you can get a little one percent advantage, you should do it. Um, and pretty much all the money I do in anyway goes on my fighting career. Do you know what I mean? I'm not like I'm not buying a flashy car or buying expensive clothes or anything. Any money I do get goes on training and training gear and stuff like that. But I'm not quite earning enough yet to be employing a full time nutritionist. Mm. But one day, one, one day, day we'll get there. So then, do you have a do you have an S and C coach that you work with, or is that somebody else, like somebody in the gym as well, that looks after that kind of stuff? Yeah, I've got an SSC coach to go to in um, Peak Performance, which is a gym around the corner from our MMA gym. Um, and they do all sorts there. They're like, it's like a CrossFit gym as well. So they've got a lot of like athletes you compete out of them for CrossFit. Um, but the coach there, Tommy, who I work with, he's a former pro boxer himself. So he's actually fought um, and he's in unreal shape. He's like 43, I think, 44 maybe. And he's in better shape than half the fighters. Do you know what I mean? Like he's absolutely shredded still trains every day himself so um tom's boss he's proper clued up and he tests out everything that he has us doing himself do you know what i mean so he knows the uh he knows the stimulus he knows how sore we're gonna feel the next day he knows how hard we've got to push to get it in and like i say he's fought himself but when he was coming up fighting there wasn't really any of the knowledge that they've got now in terms of the snc it was like go and run 12 miles and do a load of sit-ups and a load of press-ups and stuff like that so you know he says now he's so jealous of like fighters today how, how good we've got it and how much knowledge we've got compared to when he was fighting just doing stupid like 12 mile runs and that do you know what i mean and not really hitting all the energy systems and that that we're getting in now in our snc but um tom's boss he's very clued up so 
that's a very good asset, I think. And obviously, like I said before, my conditioning is one of my best attributes. That's all down to him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely what I think, especially like coming from boxing. And I've had guys on the podcast as well kind of saying the same thing that are like, it's especially come from boxing it comes you have to get your miles in like you know just get out on the road and just slog it out like say get your 12 miles in or whatever whatever it is but it's not necessarily that's even like a good thing you know it's, you uh-huh. need somebody who's knowledgeable and knows like what they're doing and to keep it just train you specifically for for what you want to be doing and exactly. MMA the... is even different to boxing do you know what I mean because obviously we've got to we've got to be strong in grappling positions and stuff as well so that's that requires different exercises to a boxer just being able to punch hard repeatedly for 12 rounds we've got to be able to grapple and squeeze and put on chokes and stuff like that so there's so many different um factors uh, that go into an mma fight that you need to be making sure you're hitting all of them in your, in your strength and conditioning training i feel like i am covering everything with my snc so i feel like every time i get in there i'm not um i'm not worried about gassing do you know what i mean that's never a doubt in my mind i know i can push hard in a grappling fight in a striking fight or whatever it is for the full distance because i'm confident that I've got the fitness there from all my SNC. Yeah. As long as you're not suffering from food poisoning. That's it. Well, even if I am, I'll still, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll still push yeah. three rounds. Yeah. So uh, I've got, I've got that in the back now. I know like, even if I've got the food poisoning again, I've already done it once. So just bulletproof in the mind doing that. Do you know what I mean? I'm even more confident going in next time when I don't have food poisoning, I'll go even faster. They'll know how hard I could push with food poisoning. Yeah. Do you do much? Do you do much SNC? Like how many sessions a week would you, would you do? Normally do three a week, um, so quite a lot to be fair compared to most. I think, um, I think fitness is so important in fighting. I think you see it too many times where the better man loses because he's not as fit as the other guys. I mean, someone who can just tough it out um, will beat a better skilled fighter if he's just in there longer, digging deeper. Do you know what I mean? So um, I put a big emphasis on my fitness. Definitely, uh, I think it's so important. Like, obviously, skills are what wins fights, but if you've got two guys who are similar in skill set and one of them can just push a little bit harder, he's going to win the fight. Do you know what I mean? Especially with, like, all the adrenaline and things are getting into the cage. Like, when you compete, it's different even to sparring because um, your heart rate's already that little bit higher starting out. So the more you can get used to that feeling of, like, a max heart rate and, like, lactic acid full in your arms, but you're just, you're just comfortable there. You've been there so many times. In like I'm there three times a week doing my SNC, do you know what I mean? So that feeling's so natural to me now that when it happens in the cage, I know I can just bypass that and keep going and my opponent's drowned in there. So um yeah, I think SNC is very, very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's it's improving all the time. What you're seeing, guys, like as as coaches and that become more educated on training specifically for MMA, it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. Definitely, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So when do you think you'll fight? Uh, when do you think you'll fight again? Are you looking to get out on the the June trilogy cards? Yeah, hopefully that's what that's what I'm aiming for. June. I've not heard anything yet about a match, but I don't see why not. Do you know what I mean? I just had a good win there in March, so hopefully they'll get me a match for that one. It's about ten weeks away now. It's the end of June, so I've been ticking over literally since the last fight. I had a couple of niggles, like my foot was sore of kicking his knee, and my leg was a little bit sore of getting leg kicked. But I've not had any injuries from it. So literally since. A few that I took a few days off after the fight, just eating a bit of shit and that. Um, has to be done. But since then, yeah. What did you say? Has to be done. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> when you diet him so long, you've got to indulge a little bit, haven't you? So um, I've done that, and then since since after that, a few days off, I've been training pretty much back into it full time. Um, ticking over, obviously, I'm not going mad because I've still got ten weeks, but I feel like 
I'm perfectly on track to take a fight in, in 10 weeks' time, do you know what I mean? So hopefully get on that June card. How long is he? If you got, the, if you got offered for, uh, a fight for the belt, would you take it? No, not yet. No, I don't think. Not yet. I don't. I don't think I would. No, only because um, when you win the Cage Warriors belt, the next step's the UFC, and it. And I, I do think I could go in the UFC right now and compete with the majority of them. Do you know what I mean? But I want to be world class by the time I'm getting to the UFC, and I'm 23 years old now. Do you know what I mean? That's quite young. It's very rare, especially at today's level. Like obviously, you've got Max Holloway and that who went in the UFC very young. And they've developed their career in the UFC and now they're right at the top of the game. But if you look now, the level that everyone's at in the UFC, entry level is like world class. So I want to make sure that I'm rounding out my game fully and just getting more experience. So by the time I am in the UFC, I'm ready to just run through all of them and get to the belt. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to get in the UFC too early, have a couple of tough fights and get cut. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm all in on this. My plan is 100% to get to the UFC and win the belt. So I make sure that I do everything right and don't rush myself. And uh, I think that as long as I carry on the way I'm going, it's all going to happen at the perfect time for me. And when I do get to the UFC, I'll be ready to to go and win the belt. Do you know what I mean? So I think just yet, I'd like a couple more fights before I fight for the belt. Yeah. Because like, as you said, especially the Cage Warriors guys, when they get signed to the UFC, get thrown to the wolves. There's like no easy fight. Like when you're coming from like anybody who comes from Cage Warriors is straight in. Like yeah. anybody like even just look recently, like like Mason Jones was thrown straight into a tough fight. Like Reese McKee. Yeah. Obviously it was late yeah. replacement, but was thrown straight in with a tough Comes guy. Yeah. yeah. Like as a oh. Joy Herbert was thrown it has been thrown in with tough guys. Like the Cage Warriors guys don't get it sorry. easy to you. I mean, obviously, look, Jay Herbert's very, very good and he's an older guy who's so got experience. But do they not like him or something? You know, they give him, they've given him that Brazilian fellow who's about 40, who no one knows, but he's like a tank. Um, what's his name? The, the first guy who he lost to? Uh, it was a, it was Trinaldo, wasn't it? That Trinaldo, that's yeah. the one. So Trinaldo's been around the top for years. He's fought everyone. He's tough as they come, but he's not really got a following. So they give Jai in. And like if Jai beats him, oh, he's a 40-year-old, he's finished, you know what I mean? All this, but see how good he is. And now they're giving him Moicano, who again's like not that well-known, but he's an absolute killer. Do you know what I mean? So... They're like nasty fights for Jai, but Jai is very good. Do you know what I mean? So I think he will go and beat Moicano, to be honest. So, um, the only thing is, if he does, it's like Moicano is not that like highly, highly rated, really, is he by, by the majority of people? So it's a tough, tough fight for him. But, um, I say, like you say, the, the Cage Warriors guys, they obviously, um, think highly of them because they just give them the toughest fights, even like Nathaniel Wood fighting, um, Johnny Eduardo. In his first UFC fight, I mean, Johnny Eduardo was an absolute veteran as well. So, yeah, you don't get easy fights coming from cage warriors. Yeah, yeah, you're, 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 yeah. It says that the level that they they rate those guys because you see some people are, are signed maybe one or two and zero, and they're kind of maybe they give them someone kind of similar, but not the cage warriors guys straight in. It's like get like, like in, that, yeah. that Mason Jones fight. I would um. Like your man's name's gone for me. Like that was a sav- that was a savage scrap, like for Davis his debut. or something, wasn't it? Something uh, Davis, guy, it yeah, Davis, yeah. yeah, savage scrap, like for 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 his debut. Yeah, and he won't fight tonight, didn't he? So he got the bonus. So you know, what I mean, at least that, like, yeah, he's taking a loss on his UFC debut, which isn't ideal, but he's going in against another really good prospect who's probably going to end up being like ranked in the top fifteen at some point. Um, they got fight of the nights. We got paid well, and like. Just the fact that it was a boss fight gets him exposure. Do you know what I mean? So I think that fight only done good for Mason's career. Um, but again, like ideally, come on, 
gives someone a little bit easier for me debut. Do you know what I mean? Try yeah. build us a little bit, but uh, it is what it is. You've got to be ready. That's why I said I want to make sure I'm like 100% ready to go and smoke everyone by the time I do get the UFC because obviously whoever I get, I'm going to take the fight. Do you know what I mean? And go in there confident. So I'm going to make sure I've got all the experience and everything I need before I get there. Do you have a, a, a kind of a set number of fights maybe just in, even just in your head? How many fights do you think it'll take you to get there? 10 would be nice. I mean, 10. 10 and 0, going to the UFC, that sounds nice. But um, see what happens. I've just signed five fights more with Cage Warriors. So if I could get to the end of this contract with the belt, maybe like one title defence behind me, do you know what I mean? Or two title defences, that'd be nice. I think that'd be enough time, enough years and enough like fight experience to, uh, to sign for the UFC. But we'll see. Obviously, whatever happens, happens like, I don't know, I could go and smoke someone in my next fight, get off with the belt and then get signed at the end of this year to the UFC, do you know what I mean? So it's uh it is what it is. We'll see, we'll see what comes, but I'm gonna take every fight one at a time and then um, keep doing what I'm doing, keep finishing people and then see see how it goes from here. It probably won't be Jack Cartwright who has the belt, I suppose, by the time you maybe get to get to it, he's probably gonna get the get the call fairly I think, soon. Yeah. I don't I don't see me fighting him to be honest. I think he's gonna get the call. He's like I think he would have got the call after his last fight if it didn't end the way it did. Do you know what I mean? Um that DQ and they're probably not gonna sign him off that, but probably one more. I mean he, he's like what, ten and And I think he's got like eight finishes or something. So um, he's unbeaten as an amateur as well, I think. I think he actually has a run of like I think he has a run of maybe sixteen undefeated, ten as a pro or he was undefeated as an amateur as well. Well, there you go. Yeah, so he's probably going to get signed soon, which uh, then opens up the division, doesn't it, really, to see who, who's up there. Like, I don't know. who They'll probably end up bringing someone in for me, I'd imagine, you know, like from a, from a different promotion by the time I'm fighting for the belt. Because looking around at the top, there's not many people who I think are, like, deserving of a title shot, really, yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that Booland? He, he's fought for the belt and he already a couple of times, and he's about 35, so I don't see them giving him a title shot so we'll see what happens you and Jack that, 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 if that like obviously like you said it's very very unlikely it'll happen but that, that'd be a big fight for kind of your area in England like yeah Manchester versus Liverpool in it yeah so I suppose it would be yeah yeah but I'd like you say I, I don't um, I don't see it happening but it's what it is you never know he could go and lose his next fight do you know what I mean and then lose yeah, the belt and then try and climb back up and then by the time I'm there he's there yeah, was that something similar? I suppose kind there, of even so something similar. Kind of. Me, do you know what I mean? I don't care who you give me. I'm not um, eyeing specific opponents. Um, I'm just in it for me, focusing on my career. So as long as I keep improving and just taking out whoever they give me, that's all I can do in it, really. Yeah, that's kind of been unfortunate. It's happened to a few guys, hasn't it? In terms of like a cage warriors, they've been close maybe one fight away from the UFC, and then they lose at the wrong time, and it kind of pushes them back. Mm. I suppose kind of happened early way. But, but like Paddy from from your own gym, like he was kind of close, and yeah. then he just took a loss at the wrong time, and kind of pushing back. But I couple, think that I actually think that was a good thing for Paddy. Do you know what I mean? I think that was the right time really for him to lose because he's matured so much and developed so much in the last three years. From what you think, when he, when he had the belt, he was twenty one. So do you know what I mean? Going back, I'm saying I'm twenty three. I think I'm young to go onto the UFC and that now. He was twenty one, so he really got signed then. That could have been like far too early for him. Whereas now he's twenty six I think Paddy is now he's 26 so he's like perfect going into his prime now as he signed with the UFC and like it, the losses didn't do anything to his um 
to his stock. Like Paddy's yeah, still, you see now, especially after signing, he's he's blown up again. Do you know what I mean? He's got like hundred and odd k followers on Instagram now and stuff. So he, he's a, uh, it's like perfect time for him, I think. So that just shows again, like a loss at the time might seem um, detrimental to your career. Like he had the belt, he was on top of the world, he was going to go to the UFC, but then in reality, that was the perfect thing to happen to him because now he's a few years older, a bit more mature. And even more ready to go to the UFC, and he's still just as big of a name as he was when he was twenty-one. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, yeah, you're twenty-three, and you know, like John Jones was UFC champion at twenty-three. You know what I mean? Like, that's what, like, like that's what, it's like, crazy, isn't it? Like, like you said, like you, you are young, like, and like there is no reason to be rushing. But just like the fact that he got in and the tear he went on to be champion is, yeah. like, they just yeah. serious, like serious athlete, isn't he? John Jones, he's a freak. But uh, again, like obviously, I'm not taking anything away from John Jones. He's the absolute goat. But the level is different now, even to then. Do you know what I mean? I know you can say the greats that he took out, but you actually look at the skill sets of them and take away the names from them compared to the fighters nowadays. Like they aren't anywhere near the level of what entry level UFC guys are like now. Do you know what I mean? Like every every year, you see more and more people coming through. Like you look at the prelims now on most UFCs, and the guys are so high level, and they're not even ranked. Do you know what I mean? You never even heard of them. Um, but they're like world class so yeah it's it's just the sport's growing so much yeah but like that it was even GSP said he was on Joe Rogan like and said, said he said it even a couple of other interviews like that people just get better like like uh, the people who started like the, like Hoist Gracie wouldn't have a chance today but like was yeah. the best at that time and then the guys like like that that John Jones would have beaten they were the best at their time but they wouldn't stand yeah. a chance now and the guys now won't stand the chance of the guys in five to ten years, you know. Yeah. And, and the guys, it just, it just, it just gets just the way just get it better. goes, in it. Yeah. 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 Especially with MMA, where it's such a young sport. Do you know what I mean? So, literally, we're seeing the massive leaps now. It'll start leveling out a little bit as the sport gets, um, as the sport ages a bit. But right now, we're still in the early stages. Do you know what I mean? Especially like in terms of it becoming a worldwide sport, more and more now in England and in Europe, MMA's getting bigger whereas for like the last sort of 10 years it's been America and Brazil that dominated the UFC isn't it really um, so now the European scene's booming imagine in like 10 years time so uh, yeah it's just crazy to think that's why you literally you can't be one of these fighters who goes and fights and then takes like a few months off and doesn't train and doesn't improve because there's like kids in Russia now that are like 12, 13 that are like probably well better than me in terms of skill sets do you know what I mean it's scary but I've got to like stay on it and make sure these kids don't catch us so it's uh yeah it's frightening but it, it makes me want to get the gym every single day and keep getting better do you know what I mean because I know what's coming for us around the corner so yeah them yeah. Russian them Russians are like a different breed like aren't they They're, that's they like the, that's like that's like the new hub like you said it was like obviously America has always been there and then it was like Brazil was kind of like the, the second one like where they had so many champions and they had that mix of jiu-jitsu and, and boxing but but now it seems like that, like I said, like R- Russia is kind of taking over that because they have that, a lot of that wrestling background. Like they're wrestling. Like, what do you think it is other than that? Do you think it's the mindset of the Russians that's a little bit different or what? Like, what do you think sets them apart from everyone else? Because they seem to be like starting to take over now a little bit, don't they? Yeah, I think it is probably the mindset that, and yeah. maybe the, the mindset is that hard mindset can kind of be bred into them a little bit younger than it is into us to, over there. Yeah. 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 But that's not to say that we can't develop it, do you know what I mean? So that's what 100%. I'm always like, yeah. That's what I'm very into is like hardening the mind. Because I think fighting is so much mental, do you know what I mean? Like 
obviously you've got to have a certain level of athleticism and you've got to be able to perform the techniques. But once you get to that level, that what separates the best from the champions is literally like your mindset, isn't it? And then how far you're willing to go, how much time you're willing to put in. So I try and um, adopt a little bit of the Russian mindset, me and me training. Do you know what I mean? That stoic mindset, just getting it done, getting in every day and just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is they are um, they are a tough bunch, but I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to be as much Russian as possible. You know yeah. what I mean? Channel that inner Russian, that inner Russian. That's it, lad. Yeah, that's why I shave my head. I look a little bit more Eastern European with a shaved head. <laughs> I used to have a big fringe, but um, going for the the Russian look now. The Khabib look. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I just need to grow a beard, but I can't I can't really grow any facial hair yet. So I have to wait a few years. Maybe by the time I'm in the UFC, I'll have a little beard going as well. Yeah. Coming from that, and we're coming with that wrestle heavy kind of style as well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, all your wins are submissions, aren't they? Like, you've only all but one. Yeah, I've got I've got one TKO, but it comes from like a grappling position. Do you know what I mean? I, I got him in a, the Dagestani handcuff position. That's what they call it now, and oh, it where you kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind, behind his like, back, and it was yeah, and, yeah. and then yeah, we strike. But that was obviously it was a TKO, but it was a grappling TKO. It was my grappling that allowed me to get the strikes off. Do you know what I mean? So all my fights I've won with using my grappling so far. You kind of dropped him with a leg kick, I think, there first, was it? And then that kind of started the exchange. Yeah. 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 I was calf kicking him a few times and then he was like bouncing back and forth, I think, trying to like test his leg out. And I, as I caught him, as he like stepped in, I kicked the leg out and it swept him nice. Um, and then I ended up like throwing shots, but stepping into a clinch with it. So I just thought, right, I'm here now, I may as well end up taking him down and, uh, and go into the grappling. Yeah. I suppose, look, just before we, uh, before we finish up, I, uh, I tend to ask everybody if you, if you, if you had to pick a favorite fighter that you would like to watch. Who would it be? Favorite fighter? Okay, let me have a think. Maybe it doesn't I, have I was to be one. Maybe maybe not one. Maybe, maybe give it two or three. I tell you what, <laughs> I like. I like the city kickboxing guys. So I like Adesanya. Obviously, I like Volkanovski. I love watching Volkanovski. I always go back and watch his old fights on Fight Pass because I think he is so well rounded, and he's kind of the style I'm trying to go after. Do you know what I mean? He's got a very good wrestling top game and takedowns go ground and pound but then he's also able to beat the likes of Chad Mendes who's a good wrestler where he couldn't use his wrestling he used his striking do you know what I mean so he's very very well rounded and very well conditioned he's kind of been the only person who's been able to match Holloway's output in that division do you know what I mean so I really like Volkanovski and then do you know Brad Riddell who's like the yeah I really like him as well He's, he's only had three fights in the UFC but they've all been absolute belt of scraps so I like the city kickboxing gym I think there's a lot of good fighters coming out of there. Obviously, Dan Hooker as well. Do you know what I mean? So, those guys, I'm really enjoying watching them at the minute. Yeah, yeah, some good stuff coming out of there, yeah. All good picks there, yeah, good picks. I'm liking them. Thank you. Yeah, lovely stuff. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks, man, for coming on. Appreciate your time. And uh, looking forward to seeing you, seeing you out again. It's right. Thanks very much for having me on, mate. I've, uh, I've enjoyed chatting to you. Cheers, lovely stuff. Take care. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Go on. And you, mate. Nice one. Nice one. Take care.